Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Lucky Land Casino asking people what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kids' PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Introducing the Dunkin' Run. A dollar donut with any medium coffee. A whole new era of... I'm going on a Dunkin' Run. You want anything? Yeah, maybe a jelly donut and an iced coffee. You got it. Wait, actually, glazed donut and a hot coffee. Mm. Okay, back on track. Make it a Dunkin' Run. Get a $1 donut with any medium coffee. America runs on Dunkin'. Exclude specialty donuts and fancies. Offer valid on medium or larger coffees. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. You are now tuned in to Believe. Do you believe? All right, I'm your host, Amon Green. Welcome into On My Block, the Green Packer, the Green Bay Packer podcast. Mike, how you doing? Angie, doing great, buddy. Nice, nice. So, yeah, we had a, I say, I had a fun weekend, you know, chilling with our boy, uh, Marco Chimp. Oh, that's right. How was it? Uh, The birthday party was, uh, was uh, awesome. And, you know, it's Vegas. You can't, if you don't go to Vegas a whole lot, you cannot be there more than three days. (laughs) Because they're, you know, Marco. I was a two-night guy. Yeah, I was a two-night, I was a two-night, well, I lived there. But even when I lived there, there. yeah. I was, a, I was always told people, I was like, if you come in for three nights, you're going to feel bad about yourself. Exactly. Exactly. And that's where everybody in Marco's camp was between Michelle, Dante, Roman, um, and then friends from all over from Green Bay area, from the Texas area where they live. So, for, you know, it was fun. You know, it was great. You know, great. Great to see them. Great to see you know, him celebrate, celebrate the birthday of turning big five zero. You know, I know I'm five years away. Where are you at? You have five years I'm away? five years away. Years away. You're not the same age. Yeah, we're the same age. So, yeah, you know, being in Vegas, you know, my wife, she did her penny snot, slot thing. And, you know, for the gambling side of it, me, I just play video games. You know, that's what I do. Hey, um, what do you play video games? In the I have it in my room. No, 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 not yet. Soon. Oh, my it's God. Coming soon. It's, Some it's, it's, have it. You cannot go to Vegas and sit in your room and play video games. That is not. I do. That is not what God intended for Las Vegas. I mean, I'm not religious, but I'm pretty sure that's some sort of sin. <laughs> Hey, look, I did, I do, and but is there Luxor, the Luxor, uh, yeah. Rio? They, they got great internet. They got great internet, <laughs> and they have, and they have an esports facility within. Uh, the Luxor is a little bit more elaborate, professional level. They got editing studios, oh. they got production studio, and it's called the uh, esports arena. And they have a shoutcasting studio where if I wanted to go shoutcast yesterday or over the weekend, I could have. You know, oh, that's awesome. Yeah, the Rio has the same setup. It's called the wall, where you could go in there, pay your 15 bucks for an hour or whatever it is, and play whatever game, Halo, Madden, Valorant for two, three hours. Is it like is it like I'm 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 minimizing it, but is it like an old school internet cafe, but it's for gamers? Like is it is it really that simple? It's really that simple. Um, but obviously yeah. they got the high-end equipment, they're not messing around. Yeah, yeah. No, yeah, of course. But the idea being Go over here, pay a couple bucks, you get to hop on the internet with anybody and play some games. That's that's I mean that's actually pretty cool, isn't it? 
It's exactly. And they have weekly tournaments, daily tournaments, you know, from 600 to a thousand bucks to win. So you could go into one of those events or one of those casinos and just like going to the casino to play poker, like we we're just talking, you could go and dr drop some money or win some money in one of their esports tournament from Madden to Mario Kart to Super Smash. That's the Anything bro, like that's that. the hard part. It's like I don't see it as gambling, but it is gambling. I mean, it it's is just a game like anything else. Yeah, it, and I don't associate that. But yeah, when you just said that, when you just went, oh, it's just like poker. I go, I, I guess, I guess playing Halo is actually just like poker, isn't it? Like, you're betting on yourself. You're yeah. betting on yourself. No, I love it. That's so cool, man. So just like that, we got our um, sponsor of the show, Bet Online. So our partners at Bet Online continue to be the number one source of all our betting needs and sports information. So find the latest sports developments, including the updated odds on the NBA playoffs, fights, and even some next season futures. And don't forget about Major League Baseball is back as well. You who are picking up the win um, for the world? Who's going to be picking up the win in the World Series? So we don't know yet. So Bet Online is your continued source for your sports wager needs live uh including live betting and your favorite vegas casinos and poker games so call to action here is to it is super easy to get started so head over to the website today and you, on your mobile phone or any mobile device and put in the promo believe b-l-e-a-v to receive your 50 percent welcome bonus to your first deposit so bet online where the game starts mike so this year, <laughs> i'm giggling because we every time every time he's asked that i'm always like out oh, the dodgers and then that so did you see that Trevor Bauer guy got suspended two years? Do you know what I'm talking no, about? I, missed that. I, I watched basketball. Okay. I, I watched a little hockey, but and obviously some video games. So what happened to Trevor Bauer? Okay, so Trevor know, Bauer. Trevor Bauer is like the best reliever in the game. Okay. Yes, I knew that. Okay, so so Trevor so Trevor Bauer had this. Uh, I don't know. If, I think it was first a criminal lawsuit. Now it was maybe a civil, or I might be getting the story wrong. But basically, Trevor Bauer's into rough sex. <laughs> Oh. And I, well, I'm such a, I'm so juvenile. I can't even say it without giggling, but right. he, he had, he had consensual, he had consensual relations with a woman and he's into some, I mean, this dude is in like, whether or not he should go to jail or pay her $10 million or he's suspended for two years now, biggest suspension ever in the history of, of baseball. I believe this dude is into some weird stuff. Like, like if you read the report, unless I get into details, you just go read it. This right. dude is like this dude, you're reading it, and I'm like, I am uncomfortable reading this. Like, I'm gonna put Ooh. this down so I can eat my oatmeal because I'm not gonna be able to do it afterwards. Like, it is uh, it is uncomfortable the way this guy handles his business in certain aspects of his life. It was nuts. Allegedly. 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 But oh good lord, man. Let's let's talk about the draft, dude. Let's talk about the draft. It's, it's, I'm sorry. I think it was I'm nuts. I might have met him online in a Call of Duty tournament during. I'll bet you, listen, I'll bet you he meets a lot of people online. I mean, that's. I, but, oh, I'm just man. saying. Good right. Lord. All right. Yeah. Let's get to the draft on that note. Let's get to the draft. So I'm going to run down the names here of, I believe, Packers, other than trading around, uh, trading away one of their second round picks, they pretty much used all the majority of their picks here for themselves. Yep. But uh, I say a good, smart job moving up to get Christian Robson out of North Dakota State, a receiver that I was eye on and that would have been a good fit. He was one of our draft picks, AG. Exactly, exactly, into the Packer locker room, into the wide receiver room, particularly because of his size and then obviously the element of being in this territory. He's in North Dakota. That's pretty much latitude to us. Straight, You go straight across, you know, 600 miles, whatever it is, to get over to North Dakota uh, from us. It's the same type of weather. Dude, the guy, so and he, the guy's a burner, right? The guy's 6'5", or it's a 4'3", 6'. Oh, 
angry and wants to make plays. So this so first round draft pick was Quay Walker out of Georgia, second round or second pick in the first round, which was the 28th pick. Um, Devontae Wyatt also out of Georgia, that Georgia defense that helped win them the national title. So you got two guys from that defense right there. And then the wide receiver Christian Watson from North Dakota State, 6'5", you know, 200 pounds plus, physical and can and can outrun you after he catches the ball. And then Sean Ryan, um, a guard out of UCLA. Romeo Dobbs, another receiver out of Nevada. Um, Zach Tom, Wake Forest offensive guard there. Kingsley, Ag, Nick Barre uh, from South South Carolina, offensive, outside linebacker there. Tariq Carpenter, Georgia Tech, inside linebacker, safety, wherever you can fit him in terms of his size, obviously, and his durability. Because if you want him as a safety, you want him to be a, a thumper, you know, with, with, with helping him with the run game. And Jonathan Ford, Miami defensive tackle. Rasheed Walker, Penn State um, tackle as well. And then um, for my alma mater, Samari Torre, wide receiver out of Nebraska there. So that's the lineup for the Packers in 10, 10, almost 11 picks there for them. So they was able to maximize, trade up, and make some moves. So, Mike, where are you at on this this draft pick and this draft alignment? Yeah, so it's in, interesting draft. Interesting draft, actually, from the jump when you think about – when you think about Trayvon Walker getting taken before uh, Hutchinson. Like, that was – that's a, that's Jags being Jags, right? Like, that's Jags yeah. being Jags. That makes no sense. Like, we, a general statement I think we can both agree on, the best players in their respective positions are generally better technicians than everybody else, right? Yes. Like, the gap is not necessarily in athleticism, but it's usually in, like, technique and, like, understanding of the game. Exactly. And so when I see when I see the Jags pick up Trayvon Walker, when, like, you watch, he doesn't have a lot of production as far as, like, an edge pass rusher in at Georgia. He just – by the position he played and, and the things he did – and then you watch Aiden Hutchinson, and the, the guy's already got a full – he had a full repertoire of moves in high school. And he's right. more productive. He's got better numbers. Like, we're now you start talking where it's like, okay, well, this guy's ceiling's a little bit higher than th that guy's ceiling. It's like, it doesn't really make sense to me. You see what I mean? It doesn't really – like, yeah, those things just don't make any sense to me. But when we talk about – speaking of not making sense, let me see if I can – this is uh, – I don't know what my camera's doing here. Look at this, AG. Yeah, I see it. You're like I'm on fire. A little bit. Yeah, see if I can fix that. Give me yeah, one second. Let's deny a little bit. No problem. So part of that. I don't know if that's gonna fix or not. Let me just see if I can do this. That is. Okay. That'll that'll give that'll give somebody a vertigo. Hey, yeah, that or vertigo. That FLSV stuff when they see the flashing lights and everything. There it is. You can just, we'll just look at the yeah, – yeah, this, I like this angle better because it helps to glisten off my forehead. really helps you kind of pay attention to <laughs> what's going on. Got it. You know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this, bro. The, 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 the Quay Walker pickup – listen, I guess at the end of the day, you have to ask yourself, are the Packers closer winning a Super Bowl than they were when they started? And I, I don't know if that answer is yes. Like, I don't know if they're closer than they were at, at the beginning – or at the end of the, the year last year when we still had Devontae Adams. Correct. And I guess when you look at Quay Walker, like he's got a very similar profile to Devontae, uh, to, uh, to Devontae Campbell, right? The, I mean, their numbers are very, very similar. And the guy's mm -hmm. got like that upside talent. So, you know, we're drafting for traits, that whole that whole thing. Um, he certainly got pedigree. Both the first guys got pedigree first round, you know, the first round draft picks with Georgia. Uh, obviously top top team in the, in the nation, made arguably the top defense in the nation. But mm -hmm. like this Quay Walker, he doesn't really have the production that even his running mate did. He's, he's subbed in a lot with the third linebacker, and he's got these traits, but a lot of guys didn't even have him 
as high as the Utah linebacker. Like there's, it, it just didn't, it, it didn't make sense. When I think 22nd pick in the draft, I'm thinking guy that's coming in and starting. And we've already had, you and I've talked about Chris Barnes on this show. Yeah. We had John Rennie Jr. come in and be like, Chris Barnes is, is, is a dog. Like he's a guy. Yeah, and now you're, you're bringing in, and I know he's, you know, he's a, I think he was undrafted, but he can, he's proven he can play. And so you're bringing in this guy and it's the same, it's, a, it, it's kind of the same thing when you're bringing in Tariq Carpenter out of Georgia Tech. You're trying to fit, okay, can we get a two linebacker system in nickel or can we do, can we stay out of dime more and can we play with those two guys, right? Like, right. like the Tampa, like Tampa does, right? Yeah. But, and so maybe that's what they're thinking. But again, for me, the, he might be a good player. I was surprised. I didn't think, I, and a lot of, and a lot of, I'm not a big draft guy, but like a lot of draft boards, like he's not even a first round pick. Um, yeah. he, he's going to end up being a good player, but we have a top 10 defense. Like right. this wasn't this wasn't the problem, you know, and, and so that's a little bit of a head scratcher. The Devondre, the Devondre Wyatt. Now, dude, the dude runs a four seven seven. Like the yeah. dude can scoot. So that's just scary. just from yeah, three hundred and ten pounds runs a four seven seven. I'm kind of looking at it like, okay, he is a guy that can take over for Dean Lowry in a year or two. Like he's a he's a guy that you you start going okay, you kind of look at his traits. He's a really good pass. He has a good pass rush right away. Like he's got moves. He can mm-hmm. explode. He can play. He can play uh, like a penetrating defender. He can play the one technique. He can play the three technique. You can put him out and play a four technique. He can do all those things. I actually like that pick, even though again, I don't know if it was like if you looked at our areas of need being wide receiver, edge, and maybe interior offensive lineman as the mm-hmm. top three, and then maybe it's a safety. It doesn't really fit any of those needs, but you go okay. Well, the thing that was interesting to me, I guess, when you look at the top two picks, is Goody Perfect. said. After the after day one, everyone's like, dude, Jermaine Johnson's on the board. The Florida State defensive end. This guy has pro moves already. He is a pro body. He has a pro profile. He plays at Florida State. And he's got pro, like he's got le- legitimate professional football player moves where he can beat tackles at the next level right now. Why is he not in our building? And then Goody was like, look, man, there's I like where we are at edge. We don't have to pick anybody up. And so that's why we don't get paid the big bucks to be the general manager, you know. But when, when, <laughs> right. I, when I was, I'm, I'm sitting here kind of watching the draft going like, Jermaine Johnson's on the board, Kalifkis, uh, the kid from Purdue, still on the board, and we're not picking them up. Yep. Like, what are we? Yeah, that that was it was frustrating. I don't know about you, but it not frustrating, yeah. but it was perplexing. Perplexing. It, yeah, it's just interesting. You know, maybe it's the fact that obviously the, the way the game went for the Packers defensively this year, having guys in the spots. You know, when the Zaires goes down, you got Preston Smith. And you have Gary wake up, you know, he's come into his own by the end of the season. So probably that was on their front forefront saying, hey, we got these two guys. We know what they do. We can trust them because we know when they are on that on that field, when the ball is snapped defensively. So that's probably why they went down this road. Um, I'll say for me. But, yeah, but his, but, like, but, his oh. but Goody's point, but Goody's point was not to talk like to clap back, but like Goody's point was he felt better about the depth in the room that we hadn't seen yet. In other words, he was saying. That the second, because you and I have talked about this, like the, it's not the first unit, it's the second unit drop off that we're really worried about. Yes, exactly. And he's saying that he's saying no, actually the second unit drop off isn't going to be there this year, which again we got to just trust and trust and be. <laughs> right. right. I mean, I, I don't know yeah. what else to do. Only, only, the <laughs> only thing they got he got on us is that we're not in the building, um, but we know the players there. Um, we kind of have an idea how players work and think together, and how they work in within the scheme. <laughs> so that's the what only thing they got on us is he, we don't have the bat. We don't. You actually, you probably do have the bat phone, but I don't. There, you know, there's no red phone right here. Where I'm calling. I'm calling the uh, 
the guy in Vegas to make that call. You might have that red phone from the commissioner, but I don't. I don't have one over here. But I don't. Me neither. I don't have that one either. <laughs> just letting you know. Um, uh, but yeah, I, I saw. Like I saw some. I mean, overall, looking at the ten, let me see. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven picks here. Um, they definitely satisfied the need for trying to fill in uh, the wide receiver vacancy. And, you know, bringing in Watson, bringing in Samari Torrey, a young receiver out of Nebraska, not a physical kid. He's he's going to be more of a kind of a route runner. And when he could get open and he's going to make some you know plays happen. Dobbs as well. Not a not a burner, but is a tall kid. So just kind of another like kind of like the draft when they drafted all those running backs. That was part of Aaron Jones's class like they did a few years ago when Goody. I believe that, that was Goody's first year as the GM, where it's almost bringing a surplus in and then see what's going to happen. Who's going to rise from those positions between the offense alignment that they drafted they drafted what one two um three offense alignment there um in ter- between walker uh tom and ryan and if i'm missing any more i think that's all of them no, so right. yeah so trying to see where those players come in the room and where they filter out because obviously you know rookie year if the guy can play physically is going to be his confidence in the in, right after the physical, you know, his confidence in himself and his, in the confidence he builds within that position coach, then obviously the head coach as well, to or decent the defensive coordinator within that scheme to say, hey, we know we can trust this kid if he plays the you know three technique or if he plays guard or you know in this position as a wide receiver where we can fit him in in a package. Once you start doing that in these mini camps now, which are going to be starting here in the next couple next couple few days for most teams, so when that player. You, you have, a I say, options of players, then it feels a little better to say, okay, this kid, they got time to develop and maybe get somewhere in this offense. Yeah, you just you just don't know what you're going to get from those positions. Like, I mean, go, go back to Christian Washington. We we wanted Christian Watson. He was in our yeah. draft. You know, we didn't know how things were going to fall, but we really liked that because of the size and the speed, certainly. Um, has And the, when you bring in a guy, like if you, you kind of look at it, <clears throat> I look at it from the perspective of, we don't think that any wide receiver they're going to bring in this year is going to have like an 80 yard catch season with Aaron Rodgers. Like just the, like the way that he thinks about the offense and the amount of information they have, this is a guy you can bring in and he's got a built in, he's already got a built in route. You know what I mean? Like, Hey, run an eye, dude. Like there's things that you just can do better than other people because you have that long stride. He's got a lot more kind of wiggle and movement to him. He's a lot more fluid, I think, than MBS was. Like, I think he's an upgrade, personally, just mm-hmm. from an athletic. I don't know about playing, but from an athletic standpoint. And so right. he's a guy that can can play now, but can also develop in that room with, with now a couple of veterans, Sammy Watkins and, and Randall Cobb. When you start talking about – when you start talking about those offensive linemen, you know, they drafted – the first guy they drafted, Sean Ryan from UCLA. Um, he looks – the part in a lot of ways. I, I really liked his hand yeah, placement. I, I liked a lot. Like you watch a little bit of tape on him and he looks like he can play at the next level. And I think he can play tackle at the next level. He could be a swing tackle. He might be able to be a right tackle. I don't know over time, but he, you know, maybe I, you, you never, everybody assumes you can go in and the tackle can play guard. It's not necessarily true, right? Because their dimensions mm-hmm. are different. The, like the physicality in there's a little bit different, like mentality wise, they might not play that way. Um, there's like, there's really good tackles that don't make really good guards, but they can, they can manage, but they're not, they don't excel. I think he can play both. The one it's, it's funny. Somebody asked me about this and the one red flag that just shot out to me like a sore thumb. And you'll speak on this is the guy. And I don't know why he might have an injury. There might be another reason, but this dude only bench pressed at 320 pounds. He bench pressed 225, 21 times at the combine. 21 times is nothing. No. For a 300, for a 320, yeah. For a 320 pound dude, 
to me, no, you gotta... what is that? What you tell me? You what's your initial impression? I said that. What's your initial impression? Uh, you got no upper body strength, and with that right there shows me that you know he's going to get dominated at the top. You know, coming off the ball that first push, he's not going to get no push, basically. You know, between that, so because I I threw up two two twenty five twenty eight times. <laughs> if you want to go back, you know, back then. Yeah. So to have an old lineman in my neighborhood is not a good. It's not a good. It's, yeah, exactly. It's a he, bro, he's not in your neighborhood. Twenty one. Right. He's seventy five percent of you. Right. So yeah, that uh, that is a that's a red flag because obviously you want to see push once that ball snap, especially in the run game. You know, you don't want to you want to come down here where you see that the line surge five yards two to three yards. I say five to two to five yards. You want to see that offensive line surge and you want to have that. So you're going to have, he's going to have to get in the weight room. Come, come start. Well, but that's, too late. that's the point. That's the point, right? So right. this guy got picked up in the third and he was at UCLA for at least three years. And he only bet you, if, if you're telling me, only, and again, I, there's to me, like it's almost like he, there has to be, there has to be a reason why he only did that. Because otherwise, this this is, and I'm 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 really serious about this. If if there's no other reason, like this is a red flag, he wouldn't be on my board because it speaks so much to his professionalism that that he hasn't gotten any stronger than that at, at the position he's played. So again, I think there must be something wrong. But if you can only bench press 21 times, dude, you're you're not even in the stratosphere of where you should be, given that you're six five, 320 pounds of playing. I think you're a five star recruit. You're playing it. You're playing at UCLA. Doesn't make any right. sense. But aside from that, you know, he doesn't have a big pop in the run game. He looks like he has some good feet. I like the way he plays with his hands. I think he has good he has good target with his hands. Good hands. I see some tape. Yeah, definitely good. Yeah, but it's you know, it's and here's what something here's something funny that happens, right? So in, in Twitter's Twitter's Twitter, but whatever. Some dude put out on Twitter all of the film that this guy had on Kayvon Thibodeau, you know, the guy who got drafted by the Giants. Remember, he was gonna be yeah. the first pick yeah. of the draft. Yep. Here's the thing that here's the thing that's so funny. So when you when you talk when you hear things about Kayvon Thibodeau, first of all, you start, you start thinking here, like he takes a lot of plays off and then you start hearing about how he's really worried about his brand and he's going to be the next straight hand because straight hand, like he doesn't, he doesn't realize that straight hand grinded for like nine years before he became like, you know, famous yeah. and good. He was first just good. Right. This guy thinks he's going to do it all year one. Like oh, I'm going to, my brand is really important in this blah, blah, blah. So it's like, there's a lot of red flags for guys like you and me, but that doesn't make any sense. Especially like, why would you go to New York? But he's got an insane amount of talent, but the, the video that they put out was actually more of an indictment on Thibodeau than like this guy. Cause like Thibodeau had like three, he played hard, like three snaps against this guy in, in, in the entire clip. It was nuts. Yeah. And, and this guy, I mean, this guy had a good game and everything like good and good for him. Like you still got to go out there and play, but it was crazy. Like every, cause I hadn't really watched the guy, the Thibodeau guy. And you see this, you see like all 20 snaps against uh, Sean Ryan. You're like, dude, he only played hard on three snaps. Like it was, it was, right. It was kind of nuts. Everybody been saying that. It's like, man, that's it's actually kind of true. Yeah, right, right. And you see that with among players. Some of the better, unfortunately, the better players get away with that because they only they show up on certain plays um, yeah. instead of showing up the entire game where they're actually making more plays with their talent, just taking a couple of plays off, and then oh, here we go. Like you're supposed to do that, but do it all, do it all the time. Um, I so yeah. You I just want to say, say something about this. So the, so the two other guys, the two other offensive linemen. So Zach Tom has got to be kind of interesting because I, I was just on another podcast and, and you know, the, the, the guy said, excuse me, the guy said, you know, I, I, don't, I think the 40 is, is a useless metric for, for success with linemen. 
right. and I, I pushed push back and I just said, well, you, you name me one offensive lineman who's bad, who's run a sub 540. You can't name one. It, you don't have to be, you don't have to run a sub 540 to be a great offensive lineman, but you're not going to show me a bad one that runs a sub five. They're, they don't right. exist. Right. If you run if you run a sub five forty, I'm going to bet my house that you can play offensive line in the National Football League. I mean, if you're like you know 300 pounds plus, and you know, I mean, you're not like a, you know a wide receiver. Yeah. This so this kid people. this this kid runs a sub five. He's a pretty good athlete. Like you know, he played it. He played at Wake. It's not a, it's not a huge school. He played he right. played different positions. You got to like I I like these kind of picks where it's a draft and develop thing, especially especially with mm-hmm. the track record of the Green Bay Packers of developing offensive linemen in later rounds. I think we're yeah. pretty good at it, right? I think same same round as Marco. Marco turned out all right. Yep, you turned all right. You know, you, you know what I mean. Like pretty, it's it, pretty damn it turned, good. <laughs> it, 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 it works out, yeah. So and then uh, and then Rashida Walker. The only thing that's kind of any a seventh round pick for me is kind of like you throw it up if you hit the dartboard, then great. <laughs> this guy, this guy says he's a great athlete, but he didn't test anything, so we, we just kind of have to see. I didn't want you know I didn't spend any time watching tape on him, but uh, look, he's in. If you're in a good room, they play. If you're good, they'll play you young. I mean, that's the best mm-hmm. thing you say about Green Bay is if you're good, they'll play you young, and they and they have a they have a track record at every level of drafting and developing talent. The offensive line uh, in the offensive line room. Yeah, yeah, exactly, exactly. So I'm gonna go, I'm gonna switch gears and talk about the wide receivers real quick with uh, between Washington Dobbs and Torre. You know, Watson, like you said, we we said enough about him already. The size. And but the part that I think is, is going to be one of the variables that people don't really look at, like and I mentioned it already, is where he played. He played in North Dakota State, so he already played in the climate that he's going to now be in a pro for for we know for at least two years, if not longer. You know, to, and that is a huge thing because being a wide receiver and you coming from the south or coming somewhere from warm, you gonna get almost a uh, what is it, a culture shock between not just the weather, but this where how Green Bay is set up, how Green Bay is. You kind of get used to that, so he kind of similar territory being in North Dakota, being in the Fargo area. So it's not, it's going to be almost the same feel. So not much is going to change for him, change for him. You know, even the color of the jerseys, same thing, green and gold. <laughs> so it won't be no big adjustment other than his address. And so with that, he could potentially get really comfortable very fast and get into this offense real smoothly. You know, they introduced the mini camps coming here in the next few weeks. So for him, it's a lot of upside. You know, as long as his ability, he doesn't have too many bumps in a row that's going to slow him to say, okay, oh, man, it's 40 degrees now. It's May. You know, that's not going to be a problem with him. He's like, this is this is nothing. But for for uh, for Dobbs, you know, for um, Samari Torrey, not knowing where he's from, he played at Nebraska. So he played in a fair weather state and knowing how to cast the balls in, in inclement weather. That's a huge factor, how to run routes, how to break down, how to make sure your footing is right when you're trying to come back on a comeback route in bad weather. So those two receivers right there, but um, they're going to have to bring along Dobbs. You know, he's going to, we going he has the size and that's what uh, Watson has too. They, they, they brought the sizes, like you mentioned with MSV and MSV was more of a speedster than actual a technician running routes. He could just definitely run that nine route, but I, I see Dobbs being that guy, being a tall receiver along with Watson, you know, having him be able to have that repertoire of routes to, you know, break guys down, get open, but then also be that possessing receiver because he doesn't have the burner speed, but he can still be a big guy, have that length over DBs that are trying to defend him, you know, and trying to not get the you know pass interference to, to get the ball, you know, get the ball to him and, and get it to him completed downfield. So, and then Samari Torrey, just for, for me, even though he's from my school, I know the culture that's going on right now and the culture is not good. 
Um, it's a different mentality of players. Um, Scott is, you know, he is doing his best. Um, it just got to be pushed along a little harder because he got inher- he, he got he inherited some bad apples. Is that what you're saying? Is that's what? Yeah, because the mentality down there now is like the mentality of our generation. Oh, see what I'm doing? Look at me! Ha ha ha! I'm having I'm I just did yeah. this. I'm like, what you been doing the whole game though? Don't just do one play. Don't celebrate a first down when you ain't scored a touchdown. Okay, so Samari, to me, you better come in, buckle down, work hard. You're going to be a special teamer for right now, being the last pick for the Packers in the seventh round. Be ready for that. That's where he has to get his mind right. Don't think he's going to come in, you know, I'm going to learn these plays and I'm going to be the guy right away. No, you're not. You're going to be a guy who's going to get the grind, special team this thing, get into the, um, you know, make some plays in practice where you open some coaches' eyes to then say, okay, we might need to put him in a package. That's what he needs to focus on. I say that's what any of the receivers have to focus on because obviously yeah. it's an audition tape to see who's going to back up Sammy Watkins, who's going to back up Alan Lazard, who's going to be that next tier of receivers to come in for the second package. So that's what these three receivers are. I say that's just, this should be on their goal list to get into cracking in that starting roster. So lead into that, into the first question before transfer. So what are your thoughts of the Packers? Um, or, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, not that question. What who, who can be on the radar to crack the starting you know position or get in the rotation by the time training camp or the end of training camp here? Assuming everybody's healthy, Devondre Wyatt. Right. I, I and I, I just don't see I, I don't see who I mean who else is gonna crack the starting lineup? I mean, you got an all pro. They they drafted Quay Walker for at the same position the guy plays all pro. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean he's not at least on regular downs, like I've I've seen his tape, like he's not gonna beat up Chris Barnes on regular downs. Maybe he comes in, maybe they put a special like I guarantee they put a special dime package or, or excuse me. Not dime. They switch their dime package to nickel, make a nickel package for him because right. he does have these athletic traits. So he's going to see the field because he was the first round. He was the first pick. But the rest of these guys, Devontae Wyatt, he could come in and play. If they're going to play in any kind of three four system, he'll play mm-hmm. because that's what he did in Georgia. He already knows it. Like now, Georgia plays a little bit different than the traditional three four. Like their defense, yeah. they always they, they play four and they play a little bit different. But he can penetrate. He's going to give guys difficulties. Uh, he's going to give guards difficulties. He'll give centers difficulties as far as pass protection. Uh, he can he can penetrate in the run game. He's kind of ready made to play. He's going to improve hopefully. Mm-hmm. But you know he's going into a good room. So you already if you just look at it there though, they I mean I know they just brought in um, they brought in Green, but they they, they obviously have uh, Kenny Clark, they have Dean, but really they're, yep. they're always looking for that third guy in their base defense. So this guy could come in and play right now. Um, I, I mean, honestly, other than that, you know, people are saying that Sean Ryan can, can compete for the right guard spot. I think he, if, you know, we will talk about this in trench warfare. I'm not sure. about right. that. Right. Right. You just got to wait and see. And uh, I said for me among the receivers, you know, the skill positions here, you know, looking at the Watson just from his physicality, what he can't bring to the game. And that right there is a big benefit for him going into these mini camps and training camps, OTAs coming in June, training camp in July and August. Um, that's going to benefit him. Um, then after that, it's just going to be short. How much of the playbook can he, can he process? How much can he absorb and then have it in his brain where he's not thinking he's more reacting to that football field. So that's where I, I lay my, my chat, my, I say my opportunity for a player to be either, you know, on the radar of the coaches and maybe cracking the lineup sometime in midseason, you know, where he's getting in the rotation of a packages of plays that he then is coinciding, correlating with Watkins and Lazard. So I'll put it on Watson there. So let's head into trench warfare, get into your favorite part of the show, Mike. 
breaking down this all offensive line. So let's break down this old line with your preview here. So I guess we're thinking with the people that we have now, um, because really the, the, the variable right now is Jenkins and when he comes back and what position mm-hmm. they want to play him at. Now we already know they got rid of, they got rid of Billy Turner to my chagrin. Yep. And <clears throat> so that's kind of that spot. Now, Josh Nyman could play there. Um, I mean, right now, as you look at it, you have Bakhtiari. John Rennie Jr. is going to start on this team. Myers is going to obviously play center. And then, you, and then you have some opportunities potentially at the right guard spot. And then Jenkins is going to play. It's just a question of are you going to put Jenkins at left guard and switch JRJ to right guard? Or, or is Jenkins mm-hmm. going to play right tackle? And now you have an opening for a guy like uh, Sean Ryan to come in and, and compete. Now, I, you know, for me personally, I like what everybody showed last year. I think that the, the transition from year one to year two, particularly with our right guard, is going to be massive because he gets, you know, he kind of understands what the what the areas of opportunity are as far as not only what he needs to work on from a technical standpoint, but also becoming a more powerful player. And he played at Old Miss, right? So we knew that's, I mean, that's one of the reasons he could play young because he played at Old Miss and, he, and he's coming from good coaching, coming from good competition, but he does need to get voice. stronger. I'm talking about Royce. And so, it's, it's, and so he, he, he already has, has shown that he can play in this league. And it's not that we're actively looking for a replacement, but that's the only position where you kind of look and go, all right, you know, he's right now, he's probably five out of five. It's a good five, but it's five out of five. And where do you, if you want to make a market improvement in the play of the offensive line, everyone has to develop. But, you know, we've got some really good pieces around him and Jenkins, Bakhtiari, and Myers is going to be an all pro. I, I guarantee it, 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 you know, not yeah. too distant future. And now it's, you know, JRJ is going to continue to improve. And then you got to see, are we going to, are we going to have a position battle here with Royce and then maybe Sean, maybe some of these other guys? Yeah, I mean, you you go off of that, go off of last season. You saw how uh, the position in the guard, in the tackle spot, where players were week to week rotating out, in and out because of injuries, you know, especially with David on the bench for majority of the season. He shows up in the last game against Detroit, has a good game, I guess, from a medical standpoint to say, okay, he's ready for the playoffs, but then doesn't play him in the, don't play him for the first round um, after that. So I think all that time for those players from Royce, from Elgin to Josh being out and then coming back in. JRJ, great experience for them. Yash Nyman also getting getting that time in on that field, um, high end speed. You know, during the regular season, being a highly contender team, being the Packers from the last year, I think all that experience is going to benefit them. And it is going to be, I agree, it's definitely going to be a nice battle between Royce, between these young guys, Sean Ryan, that come that's coming in to see who's going to get those that solid position, starting position at the guard, either right guard or left guard um, area. So. Yeah, I, I think the other thing I say there is. You know, we praised, and rightfully so, we praised Stanovich and the job the offensive line did in general. Because, But a part of the reason that we're praising them is because they were doing it under duress because there were so many injuries. But I would say with with, with if if when Elton Jagans is healthy and and Bakhtiar is back in, Myers has a full season under his belt and he's he's healthy, like the expectation is you've got three guys that that are capable of being Pro Bowl players right there. Yep. You arguably the best left tackle in football. So now for me, mm-hmm. you should be looking at like we should have a top five offensive line, period. And we have three guys that are that are just real guys. So we should have a top five line. So what are we going to do to make that transition from where we are, which is a we did an admirable job, but I don't think anybody's saying a dominant job, to like right. how are we going to become mm-hmm. that dominant offensive line? 
right? And part of it is just getting those guys back. And part of it is some of these younger guys developing. So it'll be super interesting. Obviously, they have a new line coach this year. Mustafish moving up to offensive coordinator. I know he's yeah. the assistant coach. Uh, Buckus was the assistant coach last year. He's been around the block with a couple different teams. He was in Illinois. was in Jacksonville. So I, I'm sure he knows what he's doing. But listen, anytime – like the offensive line is in one of those positions where the coach in the room and the leadership in the room – you know, depending on how you learn, you either need a mentor or a really good coach. And so I think they have really good mentors in this in that room, but it'd be, it would be helpful. And I, I'm sure a Buckus is a really good coach. Some yeah. some rooms that we, we've been in, like, there's just there's not a lot of good offensive line coaches in the league. So if you can find one and you have some good mentors, that's how you get to that upper echelon. That's why, like, the Browns went from zero to hero in one year. Yeah, because you got the size, you got the talent, you know, they all got the mentality of being nasty offensive linemen, doing what they need to do to get the job done and know how to protect one another in that backfield, I mean, in that offensive line area. And they've done that in the last couple of years. And I definitely agree with what you said with, uh, you know, under duress, you know, Stepanovich having to adjust, you know, put players in that, you know, traditionally wasn't a tackle or wasn't a guard, but having to rotate them. It wasn't a center having to rotate because Josh Myers is out and Buck is out. So, Doing that, I think I said it it, it, it's, it pays dividends moving forward. Um, but then also it raised the talent level of everybody in that room um, that has to get ready for the next season here. So we go down to, to the next question. So what's uh, what's with the edge rusher? Do you do we still need an edge rusher? You asked that question here on the rundown. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I don't know what you think. Again, we talked about there was a couple first-round draft picks. I, I think Jermaine – I mean, Jermaine Johnson for me, and it's just like – it's, you like him? Just, I can tell. Oh, dude, he was, he was like he was just ready-made. He can play. Right. He's just one of those guys. Physically, length, size, speed. He had pro moves. Like he can play. And I just can't imagine why. I mean, I you know, right? you just I, I, you can like there's, there are certain positions you can't have enough talent at, right? Like you don't need right. 14 good quarterbacks, but you need three good edge rushers. I mean, you you, you just do. And yeah. you think it's about all the game. things like. We've talked about it before, man. When the Giants played the Patriots in the Super Bowl and they moved old boy, uh, 91, what's his name? Uh, the Notre Dame guy, uh, Justin. Um, Who was? Oh my gosh. What team? Uh, the New York Giants. Remember, they moved the defensive end down to tackle and he just beat the brakes off of the uh, Logan Mankins. You gave him a hit two or three sacks. Uh, oh gosh. I can't remember. But, anyways, that changed the whole, that changed everything, right? And now, it, now it's like you have to have three edge rushers because you put one down and over the three technique and nickel, and all of a sudden you got some problems. Especially when you got a guy like Kenny Clark in at the other three technique. So yeah, you know, I I, I still think we need another guy. Uh, Goody seems to think that there's there's maybe some injuries and guys are coming off injuries and guys are developing. They're just going to be going to be more than adequate. But I think it's position if you could like Melvin Ingram is still out there. Melvin Ingram is still available pick up the phone melvin ingram is a problem for he any offensive problem. lineman in the league he is a real problem pick up the phone and call him please oh wow i did not know Just, that um yeah I that's mean, interesting good. yeah when, when you bring up the point of passing on johnson it, it reminds me from about three years ago wisconsin had two backers coming out one was kind of like an every down back, and then they had T.J. Watt. Packers selected the other guy. <laughs> just, just, just putting that out there. I came. He was a nice kid. I met him at one of the one of the fundraising events here, but obviously, you know, injuries shortened his career. 
and I think he went to Detroit somewhere in a couple of years. But we see what TJ Watt is doing. That was my question then, kind of like your Jermaine Johnson question. It's like, what? Why didn't they take TJ Watt then? And now it's Jamal. Uh, uh, sorry, Jermaine Johnson the second. Take a guy because, like you said, if you like you said, the main thing that you said that I get right away, and I've seen it with other players that were drafting this draft, like uh, Hutchison. You're doing pro moves at the college level, and he's doing them at the high school level too. When you're already, when you're just, you're just getting into your, that's just you now. You don't do nothing else, no lower than what you've already been taught, you know. And we know Aiden Hutchinson, father played at Michigan, so he had the lineage there, legacy there. Jermaine Johnson just had the tools put together and could have been that next, you know, defensive tackle in rotation here in the Packers, but he's a Jet now. Um, but yeah, that was, I, I was just remember, trying to think back. It's like, well, I know I've seen this movie before. And I did. It was with the with the Packers, with TJ, letting him go to the Steelers. And, you know, we see how that's played out so far. And I, I, I don't know. I ask you this question. There's there's certain positions that like like running back doesn't get drafted as highly as it used to. Right. No, no, and, and like we see the, and, it, and we see this year now it's because of the second contracts. We see this year now wide receiver went like hotcakes because. Because Christian Kirk, the Jaguar, Jaguars doing Jaguar things, signed Christian Kirk to a eighty million dollar deal. So there was a run on wide receivers, right? Because now now Tyreek right. Hill is making thirty million dollars. Like it's nuts. Right. But I, I was I was going to ask you because I was just trying to rack my brain about how many how many linebackers that, that you've played against, or you just even look at the league now, how many guys are really worth a first round draft pick? An inside linebacker, like how many guys are really worth a first round draft pick? Like. It's, Bobby it's Wagner hard. wasn't a first round draft. Bobby no, wasn't. Sure. I mean, what was the last first round draft pick where you're like, dude, this is like, like Roquan Smith from Georgia. It plays for the Bears. Like, he's a good player. He's, I don't know if you see a first round. Like, Patrick Willis was a first round draft pick. Yeah. I, okay. I, yeah. That's a That's a no brainer. Ray that's Lewis. You know, started like, yes. best of all time. But other than that, it's kind of weird. Like, I don't see a lot of first round. I don't see linebackers and I go, oh, yeah. I'm going to spend my first round draft pick on a linebacker because it's kind of like that running back position where you don't know where the, you just don't know where the shelf life is because of the physicality of the position. And now how that position has changed as far as like all the things you have to do. So it's like, you might have to draft a 236 pound middle linebacker because he needs to run with, with in the slot, but then he also has to take on guys like me and you. And that's like, you're going to get worn down a lot faster. So I just don't know if it's like from a value standpoint, if you, I don't know, it's just kind of a weird feeling, right? Because Quay Walker looks like a great athlete. He's 6'4", six, six, 240, runs a four five seven, But you're going, man, I don't know if it's worth a first-round draft pick for an inside linebacker. And that's maybe maybe at the crux of, like, why I feel so weird about that pick. Yeah, and that was Jacksonville's pick. And so, you know, maybe it's obviously fitting in with their scheme. Um, but well, you, you pretty much asked me the question, what I see as a linebacker, as a running back. You know, I see somebody – you know, that is well-rounded, you know, that they are a thumper. They fill the run game. They also can – they could do that. Fill the run game is real simple. Fill the run game and defend the pass. If that linebacker can do that, that's the simpleness of being a linebacker. Stop the run game. Be a be a factor in stopping the run game. And then you can defend – that means that you can run – you could cover running backs that you got to tackle. You could cover tight ends that you got to deal with. And then you can maybe help out with the any pass over 15 yards because then you know schemes. You know the concepts of routes. You know how to get underneath a comeback. You know how to get yourself in position just to tip the ball to the safety or to the other linebacker. That's the person. That's a linebacker where I'm like, I'm paying attention to where he's at on the field at all times because if I don't know where he's at, it's going to be a problem for me. 
you know, for me was early in my career. And once I got to Green Bay was you know, going out to Tampa, Tampa come to us, Derrick Brooks. He was that guy, 55. He was a problem in the run game. He could, he could thump and he could, uh, you know, fit up real good. And then the pass game, he knew how to, the whole reason we have uh, the Tampa two cover two defense now is because of Derrick Brooks. He changed, he put in, uh, he was, his ability was able to change the defensive call play sheet, basically saying, Hey, we're going to now drop you deep. You know, you have enough speed. You, you understand the coverage, what you need to do to disrupt the ball or disrupt the route. We're going to get you out there in the field to put you where you can help us out. And so that's why I look at it in terms of linebackers. You, you stop the run first and you can defend the pass and then you're doing your job overall as I say pretty well as a linebacker. But to, your, but to the point, right? Like Finder Campbell was a fourth round draft pick. Right. <laughs> we, and, we, you know? and, we, and we talked about that already. We know how scouts, yeah. how the scouting process yeah. goes sometimes. They're going to miss. I was third round, remember? You know, no, I know. Yeah. Listen, I, I, I'm, that's not what I'm saying. I'm just. It's, it's, Davis was we, second I, round. I, or I sixth Darius, round. Like, where, where did Darius Leonard get drafted? He wasn't a first round pick. You think yeah. about the best guys in the league right now. Like, I don't know if a lot. Micah Parsons is the obvious, like, okay, well, if he's Micah Parsons, then pick him first round. But this guy has two sacks in his career at Georgia. That's not Micah Parsons. Like, you know, it's, it's, I hope this guy has a great year. The one thing I, I want to keep saying is, is first of all, it's such a big, it's such a big day in an athlete's life for right, everything to get drafted. Correct. And then yeah. these guys, and you and I know this better than anybody, you couldn't get drafted to a better team. Like you, or I should say, you couldn't get drafted to a better organization than the Green Bay Packers. You are going to a championship, a class organization, people that treat you like family. You're playing at the, you're playing at the Yankee Stadium of football. You're in, you're, you're in the best market there is as far as like people. If you play and you show heart, people love you. I mean, there, I don't think there's a better place to play football than in Green Bay, Wisconsin, for the Green Bay Packers. Oh, I agree. And I say coming in though, don't let that right there scare you. Like what you just talked about. Don't let that tradition, the prestige of the Packers organization as a player freak you out be like oh man i gotta do this night right now no you don't be you be the person that got you to that team and continue yeah. to play that route i say because that was shook me out of my kind of fanboy when i got traded here i i was fanboying i was happy to be here Brett and you know leroy and gilbert the grave digger i've seen these guys since college and now i was like wait a minute i'm not just in the huddle i'm not just in the locker room with these guys i'm the guy one of the guys they now depended on so i need to show up so let's okay. I understand this is like you mentioned, Yankees of football. I get all that, but you know what? I gotta come here playing football, and that's what all these players they gotta have in their mindset if they want to come here and do great things. They can't have, not get sucked up in the mystique of the Packer organization and understand that look, I gotta play my game first before I think my name's gonna be on a wall or in the Packer Hall of Fame first. Just play football, what got me here, and everything else will fall into play. So you know, from I'm flowing into that next question, you talking about we talked about Quay Wacker already, so we don't how do we use um, and why are we drafting Quay Walker? You know, you kind of mentioned it a little bit, Mike, already. So, you know, what yeah, I, see I mean, with it's him, like, yeah, go ahead. Yeah, I was going to say what I see with him, I just see a smaller, you know, I say a little bit bigger. Well, what's the, the kid we have now from Maryland? The, the, the um, strong safety. I can't think of his name. Ah, it's blinking. Amos? But Amos. Or not Amos, the other kid. Savage. Savage, so a little bit, A little bit bigger Savage. Um, I don't know about the speed, how it matches up with speed, but I, I, I see how he attacks the ball. Watch a little bit of film on him. Attacks the ball is a good tackler. I say just bringing that speed element to him. I think that helps out any defense where you can have that. Just making sure they have the IQ to go along with the dunk. 
to understand. Are you talking about Carpenter? Yeah, talk, no, oh, I'm talking about Walker. I'm talking, I'm talking about Walker. Um, haven't got the Carpenter yet. I'm going to let you start with him. Um, so just talking about Walker. And I see bringing him in, you know, when he can get in and crack in the lineup. He has a speed element, and he definitely is a, a short a short tackler. And obviously, those are two simple things on defense. Know the scheme and make tackles. You, you will, you know, most likely get a spot there on defense. So now you're talking about I'll, – I'll let it hand off to you for uh, Tyreek Carpenter. What do you see there in terms of his position? I just think both of those guys. So Quay Walker's, I mean Quay Walker's an inside linebacker that runs, you know, four five seven. Mm-hmm. Was he six four two fifty seven? He's big, or two forty seven. He's a big kid. And Campbell's now they got a safety slash linebacker, right? So my thought process is is still like, what is the value? Like, why if you're a top ten defense? Why are you drafting these guys? So I, the answer I think is that they want to put they want to bring be able to bring that guy down the box as a sure tackler. So. They're looking at it like we can play two, like uh, like Tampa has two All Pro linebackers, right? Mm-hmm. Devin, Devin White company. So now we got we got our All Pro, and we got a guy that when he learns how to play, maybe he can play for he's a he's a three down guy, okay? Because Chris Barnes isn't necessarily considered a three down guy right now, or they can bring down Carpenter, who is a safety slash linebacker, and so maybe he's the guy that ends up filling that role. Or maybe there's a situation where we can play a dime. We feel comfortable playing dime now because we can bring him in the box and he's a sure tackle. Because that's something that we've talked about from a safety position that we don't necessarily have. And so with a guy with a little more size, I think Savage is like, we like Savage, but, you know, Savage has a hard time tackling. Savage weighs 197 pounds. If he, we talked about before, if he came in 10 pounds heavy, we'd all probably have, maybe, you know, have the wave sigh relief. So right. we want a little bit bigger size guy that can come in, fill, fill the alley, and, and play in the box a little bit better. Well, these are the kind of guys that we need. So, uh, I, I, I listen, especially Carpenter at the end. Like you're not losing anything. It's that that at that round of the draft. Like this is this is a great person you can build in and, and, and create a project out of. Yep, definitely. You know, throw them in on special teams. So between the I would say between Sean Ryan on down, those are special teamers. You know, they got to find and eat there right now um, from that. Sean Christian, yeah, Sean Ryan pick on down. Best Romeo, Zach, Kingsley, Tariq, Jonathan, Machine, and Samari. You're eating on special teams right now, buddy. And they don't know that, <laughs> but they're going to find out real quick. Um, and that's where they can, but that's where they can, you know, grind it out. They can get their work in. They can work on their technique. You know, when they're hustling on special teams, another coach will see that. Like, oh, okay, so-and-so is doing this, you know, in punt return or kickoff return or what have you. And uh, kick, you know, field goal, field goal block, field goal protection, stuff like that. So that's where you can't not use that time on special teams as um, as wasted time because if you don't take advantage of that time, you're missing out. You know, giving yourself a little bit of opportunity there by uh, playing well, and that, and and, and, and coaches will notice. So, all right, we'll push on to uh, get off my line. Get here. off my line. We got some interesting stuff here. On here, let's just start it off, Mike. What you got here? <clears throat> yeah, so the first, you know, the first to get off my lawn is for me, man. Like, I did not, and probably for you too. Like, I didn't really get how important the draft was to fans. Like, I didn't get it. This is the first time I've, this is the first time I've uh, really dove in. Like, I've watched drafts before, right. like, like mm-hmm. you know, like, or I'll like, guys will ask me about a certain player, so I watch tape on them. But it's probably because I've never been like social. This is probably the first year I'm actually like on social media. And like it's absolutely bonkers out there. And these people are it's insane. I love it. Weird. I mean, you just like, I've never are you with me? Like, I, yes, I just, I'm with why, you. Oh my god, I, I like why let's care about them after they get on the team. Like, 
we can we can analyze the four thousand people to go play, and dude, people are out there like, dude, I did a breakdown of like four hundred draft picks. I'm like, what? Great! Like, that's fantastic. And you did that for fun. And I'm like, God, man, that's that's phenomenal. Now, right. if you ask me to do that, you know, I'm gonna be like, how much you want me to do that for? Exactly. I love watching tape, but I don't like watching tape of like just some random dude. I want to watch tape with the guy who's gonna play next week. Like, I love it though. Man. I love the enthusiasm. Like, I didn't realize how big a fan people were. Like, you're like we're football. We have a different relationship with football. But like, I, I would say I, I'm an ex-athlete, casual fan, huge fan of athletes. Like, I like watching athletes. Yeah. These guys are. These guys are dedicated. We are going to grind out. We're going to – hey, Panther guys, like I was, I was on Panther's podcast. These dudes it. know every single player, like not the guy drafted. They were looking at him a year ago. They were talking about a dude today. He's like, yeah, I've been watching him for a year. I was like, what? I didn't know who this guy existed until two days ago. <laughs> Man. I, I'm is. just – honestly, like, I, and I'm being dead serious. Like I am super impressed with the level of dedication and like, passion that, that goes into the – draft for these fans. I love it, man. I'm, I'm, I need to, I'm like... I'm 100 on board with you, man. Like, So I was in Vegas for this. So on our flight in, it's a whole flight of Packer fans. They have Aaron jerseys. They got Bucatari jerseys on. They got Aaron Jones jerseys on. And they're going to this route. I mean, if you saw, if you see, did you see like the, the photo shots of when they were panning in all the fans? They had every section of fans from Jacksonville all the way to, you know, to Detroit Lions area. You know, every fan had its seating area. And like that's is, nuts to me. That's nuts right. to me. Like, to me, it's like, I'm going to They're not even playing. They're paying. That would be like going, that'd be like, go to me, honestly, that'd be like going to, like, watch the lady pick the lottery balls out of the vacuum thing. Like, what are you doing? Right. I mean, like, they watch are TV. in. Oh. They are. The buy-in is there. The buy-in is there yeah. for sure. For fans. And this is not just because we know Packer fans. We, But this yeah. is everybody. It's everybody. This is all 32 fan bases had. At, I wonder what the count was on from fans to teams. Like how many I, fans? I heard the Chargers had more people in Vegas than they did during their games. That's what I heard. <laughs> that was, that's the question I want to ask. How many play, fans per team were there? I would say, you know, there's definitely, definitely Packer fans. I don't know the amount, but that's a good one. LA's not too far either. So that's probably one advantage because you got fans having to fly in. Um, but to see the, I mean, they're in there dedicated, you know, staying at different hotels. It's not cheap to stay in Vegas. I just want to know where they stayed at. They had to be off of Vegas and drove into the strip because Caesars, uh, Luxor, uh, uh, the Aria, those are not cheap nights. Those are not cheap stays. But I, AG, I, mean, I think yeah. you're missing it's, like it's almost like a pilgrimage. You know what I mean? Like, in other words, now that I've seen it, it's almost like, oh, okay, maybe I want to, like, maybe I want to get on board too. Like, they look like they're having a good time. Like, right. you know, it's like if I see a fun tailgate or a party, so I go, oh, well, I'm not doing that. Why am I not doing that? And I saw the draft this weekend, I was like, and I see all the build up, and I'm like, oh, maybe I should, maybe I should be more excited about what's happening. Like, I would get excited about the games and the season and everything. Right. The draft was just like, you know, for us, it was like, okay, well, these people got drafted, so-and-so. I never watched them. You know, when I was playing, I never watched right. them. Like, okay, you can come in, whatever. But it's 
It's fun. it's like it's almost like a big tailgate, but it's like last last for like a weekend. It's, I don't know. It looked like fun. That's, to what me. It That's what the NFL turned it into a big large tailgate. They do it at Super Bowl too. They do a big a large tailgate before the game, and now this was all. This was a three day stint. You know, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday for uh, NFL draft. When how, us, how much do you love? How much do you love when they boo Goodell? I love it. I love that they just boo him all the time, and they just they, like and he, but he's. But he's like he's so smug because he he makes like forty million a year. He's so smug, yeah. he just ah, you know, come on, come on, you know. Like he, at this point, he goes, I know everybody. It's like, it's like he he just he's he just loves being the villain. Like he could be a Batman villain, right? Like true, Batman villain. That's how I feel about him. Probably the Riddler because he's always saying stuff that people's trying to figure out. Like what the, no, he's he's just Mister Smug. I'm Smug. Or, or, we, do we create a whole new villain for him? Smug. Oh yeah, he's, yeah, he's, he's, he's Mister Smug. Mr. Smug. Oh uh, so, yeah, what's so this next one here? This next one's a, so that everyone's talking about the relative athletic score, right? And so it's it's this it's this measurement, this metric that they use to like grade out based on your height, weight, speed, every, you know, hand size, everything. You're kind of weighted average against everybody else at your position, okay. and and so it was it was it was stumbled over. It was founded by somebody else. I'm I just want to give credit where credit's due. Jim Arthur, who's now the head strength coach of the Chicago Bears, I worked with Miami. I'm like 99.9% sure that this is his thing and somebody else has stolen credit for it. So Jimmy Arthur, if you're out there, like he, I think he came up with this because he was using this in Miami like in 2014. And it's it's a really, really smart way to kind of look for – it's an apples-to-apples comparison just based on physical metrics. But it's right. a very, very good weighted average uh, apples-to-apples thing. And like I just – I just saw that, and I, it's it's going around the internet a lot because it's on all these draft boards. I just yeah. want everybody to know who's listening to this that Jimmy Arthur's. I think Jimmy Arthur's responsible for that. It's just it's a small bit, but I just want to put it out there because I it's 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 getting a lot of um, attention, a lot of trade, a lot of attention. Yeah. Well, this is the I say all professional sports it is the copycat leagues of, of of everything. One person does it, and then somebody's like, "Hey, I like that. You know what? Let's post and paste over here." So. And so explain it again. So what exactly, what is he, what is he, what's the equation that he's using? Okay, so the relative athletic source, it's it's pretty complicated, but basically you take all the stats, right? Tan- so we're talking about tangible metrics, right? So you can height, weight, bench press, speed, you know, agility. Yeah. And it's just, it is just a way to, it's, you've, it'd be a green versus all the running backs. And then there's a weight average. So they're going to say that your agility is more important than your hand size is more important than your body height is less important mm-hmm. than your body weight is more important than your 40. And they've weighted everything to get kind of the ideal athlete. And then they grade you out like a, you know, a 60, like a 50 or 60% is like average based on these weighted scores. It's, it's like all it is, is a, it's just like every other analytics, right? It's another way for everybody to look at something and go, oh, I can tell how good that guy's going to be when, oh, yeah. when yeah. it doesn't really – it doesn't necessarily equate that way, but I think as a quick glance, it kind of, you know, like, for example, if you look at one of our guys, okay, for example, when shot, when that shot Ryan, I looked at, I took a quick look at his and I saw in red 21 under bench press. I went, Oh, wait a second. Oh, like, right, right. It stands out, right. So it's yeah. just, it, it's an interesting way to look at, like, it's, it's just like any other tool, but again, Jimmy Arthur, you're the man. All right. The, Jimmy. The next one here, AG, yeah, I, I know where you're going with this one because I, I, sometimes I question this. I do. I'm with you on this one. So so everybody probably remembers a couple of years ago, Tim Donnie is an NBA official for 13 years, and he actually got caught throwing games because he was he was uh, in debt for some – he had some gambling debts, right? I don't know if it was the mafia or something, but yeah. he actually got caught rigging games, okay? Now 
you start looking around like yesterday, the Celts Bucks game is mm-hmm. old school, right? Real physical. It was, yeah. Officiate the officials just letting them play. Then you go over to the other side and you look at Draymond Green gets kicked out for a flagrant two, which back in the, back in the day that is not a flagrant two. It's not even. It really is not even close. Maybe a one. Maybe it, it takes me back to like when LeBron and Kyrie beat the Cavs, or excuse me, with on the Cavs and they beat the Warriors. Everyone like that's the every every radio guy you ever talk to that's not from Cleveland is going to be like that's the time where the Adam Silver threw the through the NBA Finals by kicking. Draymond out for like an alleged nut shot on LeBron. Remember they kicked him out of like game five yeah, in the 2016 you know. finals. And yeah. it was, you know, and then I think Iguodala was hurt. So they'd missed the two starters, blah, 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 blah. James comes back to win. Kyrie comes back to win with that big shot against uh, Steph Curry in the last game. But my point is like the NBA, for whatever reason, is that one game where it's so inconsistent from game to game and the way they officiate. And I know it's part of the strategy almost now. And they, you know, the way they talk about it in the media, and we do this too, as far as like in the NFL, knowing that there's some crews are going to call things more than others. Like we prep that on on Wednesdays. It's just, it's still weird to me that we can't get this more uniform. No, yeah, I agree. I mean, you see the touchy fouls, and even talking about Draymond, I've listened to so many different people describe the foul and what regulates as a flagrant one to a flagrant two, if he should have been kicked out or not, and. It just seems really sketchy when you have a pro player that knows the rules. You know, Draymond, he did, he go does his podcast to, you know, give his, uh, I guess his, um, what they say, his appeal, to the NBA, his appeal, his account to the NBA to say, look, I've been here before. So I know it shouldn't have been, I say maybe because of, like he said, he led with, with my reputation, it's proceeded to get the call called. But Rashid Wallace treatment. Oh. <laughs> right. So yeah. You just uh so yeah, the NBA refs, I think they need to have a hard, like a nice little big old like a Sherlock Holmes go through all of them, all their training. Because this has been a question in the NBA for a very long time. And I, I don't been- yeah, and I don't want to say that they're I don't think that was rigged, but like it yeah. is it, it here's here's what here's what as athletes is really, really hard. We don't think it's rigged, but we do think that a phone call that like, and I know you and I feel this way too, right? Like we do feel like some, in some games, a phone call has come down from the commissioner or from somebody higher up to tell the referees, like we are going to make these calls this game that weren't necessarily made the last five games. And that is a really, really weird feeling. And I know we have to adapt and everything, but it is a, it's a really, really weird kind of dichotomy that we have to, um, we have to worry about. Yes. NFL, NBA, etc. Like any sports, any sports. Yeah. You know, it's it's the pregame talk to the refs that the coaches are having. You know, I see coaches do it all the time. They're buddying up with the head ref during the pregame warmups. You know, because there's nothing but pregame going on. So they're, hey Steve, how you doing? You know, how's your wife and kids doing? It's like, oh come on, don't don't give me this. These kids gotta, these athletes, we already gotta battle through. You know, whatever the things that we have to battle through, and then. We got one more thing just to put in our path to winning a game, to winning a playoff, winning a division, winning a Super Bowl, winning a World Series, NBA title, stuff like that. It's like, come on. What more? Hey, who's on your T-shirt? Is that Michael Jackson? Yeah. <laughs> That's when he was – that was before everything with his I was going to say, Jim, are we allowed to wear Michael Jackson T-shirts anymore? Yeah. I know. I don't know, dude. 
He was a kid then, you know. This was a kid. Yeah. Okay. Well. Okay. <laughs> you say so. Anyways. Oh my God, Mike. Uh, and this last, this last one, I'm serious about the, this, this last one. Yes. So you know, the, I, I forgot the guy's. Uh, I think the guy's Ooh. name is Wong. Oh. The guy from my University of Miami. Yes. Basketball yeah. player. Like, dude, this this transfer portal thing combined the transfer portal combined with NIL is going to ruin college sports. And you and I are for players getting paid. Yes. Right? We we are 100% for players getting paid. But this transfer portal where we can leave without any consequence, we can't, we don't have to sit out, we don't have to do anything. And now this kid, and he backtracked on it. Yes. Okay. Yeah. He basically said, if I don't get paid more, by a by somebody who is not even directly affiliated with the school or with the team, I am going to leave. So a billionaire was paying kids hundreds of thousands of dollars to play on the university. I think it's the University of Miami basketball team. Mm-hmm. And this kid said, I know you just paid a Michigan kid eight hundred thousand dollars, some number. And if you don't pay me that, I'm leaving this school. And the guy's like, deuces, see ya. Leave. Right. I'm not going to negotiate with you because I don't even. I, he's he might be an alumni, but he's not part of the school. Correct. So he now, really with his money, right? Yeah, and, but it's but the I, now it, it's gone from. It's gone right. from. Th- these kids have every right to make is to make money. I we I don't think anybody's arguing that, and it's yes, a free no, market. No, I don't think anybody's arguing that. Correct. But you are dealing with underdeveloped minds. Right, your, de- your prefrontal cortex isn't developed until 24 and a half years old. You're dealing with 18 and 19 year olds, and the money they're throwing I mean, $400,000, $300,000, $500,000, $800,000 over two years, $2 million over three years. You're dealing with numbers that aren't even real to, them. to a 17 and 18 year old. They don't know how to manage that. Yeah. And so you know, there's all these litany of, of things that come with that. And now, like, we're glad, we're glad players have the power. We're glad that the NCAA is getting neutered to some extent. Like we're like I I know I am. I'm yeah, glad Mark Emmert resigned. I hope I hope they I hope all of them resign and we start over new. Right. Like, but something has we there has to be some sort of structure where a, a kid like what do you te- what are we teaching our kids? If I went to the University of Miami, and all of a sudden a booster isn't going to pay me enough money. So now I'm going to go shop myself around to make more. What happened to what happened to education? Right. What what happened to be, being being able, being able to you know, try to finish what you start? What you know what happened to trying to deal with being in a situation trying to and, and trying to be a team leader, be a captain, be become the best version of yourself. Now you're just like you know you know this as well as I do. Dude. Like you can be a free agent mercenary when you're like 27. Being a free agent mercenary at 18 years old, you got a lot of growing up to do first. Yeah. That's yeah, tough. I, yeah, it, I agree. It's just what I said a few weeks ago about this is that you got to have that structure because you're going to have this. You're going to have players that don't that forget. And it's between the players and the families or the university that are there supporting these players. Like, look, yeah, we want to give you this money, but you got to remember this part of why, why you're here first. Because NIL wasn't here before you got here. NIL just started like in the last two years. So if you are a junior or senior, you can't go down this. I'll be so personally, I'll talk to my players, be like, hey, bro, this is what it is. I understand you could do this now, but don't forget why you're here. 
Don't forget why you got a college degree to work for. You still got to play on this team and start. There's other things that you could get hurt. There's all these other things still happen. Don't lose the eye on the prize. Still, they got to understand the value of where they're at still. Knowing everything encompassing, but still keep that focus. That's the part that we're these athletes that are doing. When I saw this, I did. I, now, once you got going with the story, I do remember watching this and reading on it was like, wow, this kid is kind of he, he's lost. He lost his He lost his sight of where he was yes. driving to. Basically, he he's he's now more focused on the money. Like you said, his degree, his position on the team in Miami, because I know as a teammate, I'd be like, bro, what's up? I'm like, you're going to get paid. Why are you going to mess it all up for yourself now? Now you're not even not even here. You know, so this is like, don't get too wrapped up in one thing. Just understand the whole process. Maximize it as a potential college athlete. Now maximize what you can afford for yourself. Do that, but still get your degree. It's going to help you along with all the money that you could get through NIL. That's going to help you be the team player that you're there for because they drafted you or they, they recruited you. You got a scholarship. Now play your ball. Um, I know my household growing up. I, if I started something, I could not quit. If I quit, then it was going to be a problem with my dad. And he was six, five, three, fifteen. I wasn't having those problems. <laughs> so, so you and I have talked about this at the pro level where we're, we're saying, professional athletes, men and women who are taking care of families that are making this money are already cave on Thibodeau. We just talked about is already thinking about all the other things that potentially could take away from you being the best version of yourself on the field on the court. Mm -hmm. And now we have not only through NIL, but the NIL plus the transfer portal, we have now allowed these 17-year-old, 18-year-old, 19-year-old, 20-year-old athletes because it starts happening in high school. Yeah, it is. Now, much. In, in, Southern California, in Southern California, a high school player can transfer to another high school without penalty now. A high school player wow. can transfer to another high school in district without penalty. Okay? So now we're – now you're now that's 14 years old. Dude. 14 years old, if you don't like what's going on, out. If if you if if another if another uh if a hotshot coach comes in and says, hey, I'm gonna sell an all-star team, and you're invited, gone. No development, no nothing. And what we've like what we're forgetting and that's is, what they're missing, the development side. They, they, they have no process. Zero. No process because they're just trying, they're chasing the thing that you're supposed to, the ultimate goal. Like, let's say the ultimate goal is go to the NBA and make $10 million, whatever it is. Right. If they're going to give you – they're not giving you that. They're not giving you what you think. Like it's not – that's not – you're making money, but you're what, – what are you giving up if you're moving around, right? What are yeah. you giving up? You're giving up your process. You're not giving up your integrity. It's not like that big – you know, I'm not saying that. But if, you, if you're just going and basing your value on – on that and not what you're getting out of the process, you're never going to be as good as you wanted to be. And if you're not as good as you want to be, you're probably not going to make what you should have made. Right. Exactly. Yeah. The process, the development, because you got to learn certain things to get better. You don't know everything. The only thing you have coming in is your physical, you know, the genetics your mom and dad gave you. And then you got instincts. That's no, that's something that you have this bare bones, bare metal as an athlete. I don't care what sport, bare metal, you got genetics and whatever, your mom and dad, how that raised you. And then once you get into a structured program of coaching, 
is, whatever that sport is, that's when you start to find, okay, this is a, what's, this is something I know I can do. I got to do it this way, or I got to learn this. I got to learn how to do this. I got to learn, you know, basketball. Okay, I, I dribble good with my left, but I got to dribble good with my right if I want to, you know, crack the lineup, or if I want to, you know, be a penetrator on my offense. I got to learn how to dribble in both hands. Knowing that stuff, I got to learn how to read a man coverage to zone coverage. Look what the linebacker is looking at when I or when I see him. Is he in zone or a man? How do I know? I'm looking at his feet. I'm looking at his posture, where, where his shoulders are turned. Then I know, okay, he's sitting in zone. I'm gonna break it away. I'm not gonna, or I might push his technique if I know it's, you know, it's that little stuff, the process, the part that we love that is gonna get missed out with some of these players because they are not gonna get become, get to become that whole rounded athlete and really whole rounded human being that we're talking about to be be the best at the, what they do because they're 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 going into this, not getting the information they need, getting that money and getting that attention, and then looking at the, you know, oh, I gotta get this for me right now it's like no you got to do that later when you have a family but then you understand everything else around it you're not just doing it because you're not the most played paid player at the moment on my team because i'm the leading scorer it's like no it's a whole thing around that and that's right i agree with you there mike so yeah hopefully the structure comes it better because if not like you said it's going to continue we'll continue my own this rabbit hole of craziness going on you know, and it's not it's complete in that complete craziness, but it's, it's heading in that direction. If NIL and all the NCAA and whatever schools, states, whoever setting the, the guidelines, make sure these guidelines get get put in, you know, instantly and uh, get it get it working for everybody right now. So so everybody, we don't have this issue coming up. So, uh, Mike, we at the end of the show. So we That's wrap it. this thing up, man. Uh, great job today. And I want to say the show is presented by Bet Online. You know, so we'll be back next week. Um, And so, yeah, back next week. Uh, talk about what? What are we gonna talk about next week? What's gonna be on? Our... <laughs> oh gosh, next week we got a whole. Hey man, we got a whole six days to figure that out. I know we oh, got a whole six days. Come we'll, come, we'll come over. <laughs> All right, but uh, I want to thank you for oh, tuning in. What's up, Doctor Strange? Multiverse. Oh, yeah. I'm gonna what be movie breakdown. Break that down. We will. I'll see that. I on got my tickets Sunday. I got my tickets too. Going on Sunday afternoon to check that out. A little matinee action. Yep. Um, but uh, but everybody, thank you for tuning. Thank you for thank you for tuning in today. Go to wherever you download your podcast, iHeart, Spotify, what have you. Rate us, review us. We love that. And you can follow me on Twitter and Instagram at Alon Green Thirty. I know the the line is running at the bottom of the screen right here. And also, Mike, let people know where they can find you because you do a lot of fun things too. Mike Wall sixty eight on Twitter. Process to perform on Instagram. Ag fun as always, man. Always. So I'll see you next week, Mike. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube. 
Mary redeemed a $50,000 cash prize playing Chumba Casino this year. I was only playing for fun, so winning this was a dream come true. Chumba Casino is America's number one social casino experience. It's serious fun. With over 80 casino-style games to choose from, you too could win life-changing amounts of cash. Be like Mary. Log on to ChumbaCasino.com and give them a whirl. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. The voice in the preceding commercial was not the actual voice of a winner. Determination comes in many forms, but always starts with a Dunkin' Run. So take your medium or larger coffee in one hand and grab a dollar donut in the other. No matter how you run, Dunkin' Run. A one dollar donut with any medium or larger coffee. Excludes specialty donuts and fancies. Price and participation may vary. Limited time offer. Terms apply. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.